Hey everyone, hope you are doing well. Today is another interview episode of the podcast, and today we have Maggie Coomer, the host of Feminist History. Maggie is a writer, researcher, voice artist, and fellow podcaster. With her business partner, Jasmine Brand, they have started Dark Nostalgia Works, which hosts a few different historical podcasts and blogs. Her podcast explores the lives of women who have impacted the acceptance of female equality, women who made an impact in history, who may be overlooked, or just not discussed very much in history or historical podcasts. Maggie is a brilliant writer. I really enjoyed her most recent blog post. Uh, she's very passionate about history, and we had a great discussion on what feminism means to her. I highly encourage you to check out her work. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to the Best on Your Best podcast. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, Maggie. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really glad to have you on. Um, can you just uh, tell a little bit about yourself, uh, feminist history, and part nostalgia? Yeah, so my name is Maggie Coomer. I'm a, a, a writer and a podcaster. Uh, my business partner and I, uh, her name is Jasmine Brand. Uh, we founded a brand called Dark Nostalgia Works in mid-2020 with a long-term goal of creating historically themed content for all. And uh, Feminist History is my new solo podcast. It's a women's history podcast aimed at looking at the lives of women who have had an impact on female equality, which I know is broad, but uh, people seem to be at a loss for why, feminist, why feminism exists in the first place. Like they don't seem to understand that feminism began as a reactionary movement to the belief that women were biologically and socially inferior to men. So to understand feminism, I believe that you have to understand history. And in my first episode, uh, which was, a, I did a two-part series on Nellie Bly, the famous journalist, uh, I gave the literal definition of feminism, which is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. And that was really just to, because I started out with that episode talking about like why I'm calling it this and why I'm talking about this. And it's really because I think overwhelmingly like people are associating feminism with female dominance and that's not what it's about at all. So I think by looking at the lives of women who have like, despite the discriminatory attitudes of their day have succeeded in their personal and professional realms, like be it business, politics, journalism, activism, et cetera. I think it can give us a more well-rounded perspective on feminism in general and why it was necessary to begin with. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think a lot of people um, kind of stereotype feminists thinking it's all activism. Right. And it's, it's not. Um, but yeah, I really love the show. I, I've listened to both parts of the Nelly Bides. It's really good. I definitely recommend anyone listening to go and listen to that. Thank you. As soon as they have time. Um, also just did a, a new blog post, correct? I did, yeah. So um, just launched the Feminist History blog. And my first post, is, is, it's, it's really gonna be like a three-part series. Apparently I'm obsessed with doing multi-part series. Uh, but I'm talking about a subject that I have been researching for a very long time. And that is a period of, of uh, time during the American Civil War, specifically in Nashville, Tennessee, when there was legalized sex work. And it's a very interesting part of, of American history 
and one that like nobody knows about. <laughs> like whenever I bring it up, people are like, what? You, you're kidding me. That's absolutely like, what? Um, so my first, first part of that series is just detailing the system itself. And an interesting thing about that is most of what's written about this period in Nashville's history was documented by Union soldiers, male Union soldiers, male Union commanders. It was occupied very, by them, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Nashville has a pretty interesting civil war history in that like within a year of the start of the civil war. So like by February, 1862, it, it fell. It was a Confederate capital that fell to the Union army. And for the, the rest of the war, it was an occupied city. And so most of what's written about Nashville during that time is written by male Union commanders. And this system is framed that way, very much in that way. So like when I'm writing about it from a, a female perspective, I have to invent their perspectives because they just don't exist. Like no one bothered to write down like anything that any woman said, you know? Wow. So it's, that's, and that's like a, a huge problem that you run into with women's history because by and large, people have been writing from a male perspective for a very long time. And I've, I've fallen victim to that too. Like when I told this story, this specific story about the legalized sex work to a group of feminist friends, I told it like entirely from a male perspective and they called me out on it. And I was like, you know what? That's really interesting. And it's because I regurgitated the facts as I encountered them and they were all male. So again, like just driving home why I think feminist history is really needed and important. Yeah, and it's uh, a really interesting read. It's really good. Um, it's, it really is surprising when you're like, wow, this seems like such a practical system. Like why, <laughs> why stop this, you know? Other, other than social norms and things like that, which like you said, went back to this archaic kind of thinking, even though it worked really well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it just like provided. So, you know, I mean, obviously like if you're looking at the 1860s, you're steeped in like very religious Christian values, right? And so anything yeah. to do with sex work, you know, not even considering the fact that women had like very few options for paid work at that point, right? If you didn't have a man to protect you, you were screwed. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and, you know, but like basically that they, when, when this, when the period of the civil war is over, you know, they go back to their, to their norms, which is like, let's just pretend that <laughs> this didn't happen. And when we're talking about the civil war, let's only talk about the battles and let's talk about Gettysburg and let's talk, you know what I mean? it's like, right. okay, how, how about we look at like the social history? Cause these there's oh. social implications. So that have had ripple effects. So very fascinating. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I'm from Virginia, so I, I appreciate Southern history as well. And yeah, that definitely, you know, it's very interesting to me. Uh, last time we spoke, you know, getting back into, feminist history broadly you said something it was like something like less than 13 percent of it is documented yeah so uh um, what yeah i was talking to you about a study by the national women's history museum it was called where are the women and it was mm -hmm. 2017 basically a team of their employees combed through the u.s history curriculum standards and found that women are represent like they're few and far between in the history books and i I saw 
I don't think I saw this in their report. I saw like a random statistic that was like 13%, hmm. like only 13% of the US history curriculum contains women's history. And it's usually like the greatest hits, you know, like, like Betsy Ross or um, Abigail Adams or um, Surgeoner Truth or Harriet Tubman, you know, and all very important women, of course. Right. But it's, there's so much, it's like, there's so many more women people really who've just contributed to history in a much more, I feel like that, that we really need to be talking about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, history podcasting, especially women's podcasts, which are, I feel like are exploding like everywhere. I'm seeing more and more women's history podcasts, like, and you know, there's, um, uh, what's her name, which is a really big one. Like, I think they're about to, they're about to break out big. I mean, they're great. Um, you know, it's just like, there's a need for this because people are only getting exposure to like a broader women's history after they leave the U S like public school system. Right. right. Yeah. So it's vital. It's absolutely vital. And I mean, I don't, I don't see how it could, you know, harm certainly young girls to have more role models to look up to and people to admire. You know, um, one of the quotes in that study, it was like, it just like a, you know, an offhanded comment made by one of the researchers was like, every time a little girl sees women's history excluded, she thinks she's unimportant, right. you know? And like, what are the psychological implications of that? You know, I mean, I, I'm an arm, armchair psychologist, right? I have no idea, but you know, I mean, just like from an empowerment standpoint, from, you know, girls and women feeling like they can do what they want to do professionally, um, personally, that they have choices, you know, having those examples, those, those flesh and blood examples of women who have done what they needed to do and succeeded at it, I think is vitally important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, how did you first kind of become interested in feminism or, or introduced to it? So I, I feel like I've always been a feminist. Um, okay. I've always considered myself that. However, it has only been in the, like the last few years that I've actually like started digging into like feminist theory and reading books and works and papers about feminist from feminist perspectives which is hilarious right like I'm always like you know I'm a feminist like even since I was a teenager I'm a feminist but I really didn't have any idea what that meant it was more of like a you know a, this is I'm, this is part of my identity like <laughs> I'm a woman feminism boom you know but once you really start digging in and understanding like the nuances and the the broader deeper history and implications of like why this movement existed why it's stalled so many times, why there's so much opposition. Like, it's very fascinating. And the more I read, the more interested I become in it. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a women's history nut. I'm a history nut anyway. Uh, so it's just, it's just kind of like the natural segue, like the natural personal progression. Like this podcast really has been kind of a personal journey for me, like exploring my own biases, exploring you know, when I haven't necessarily even thought about considering this particular per historical event from a female perspective, even though I'm a woman, you know, it's bizarre. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, uh, it really is just, you know, I've always considered myself a feminist, but when you start reading more and more, it just like, it's like you're pulling at a thread and you unravel that sweater and you just can't stop. So 
Yeah. Um, what uh, is there like a specific event that you would say um, kind of really changed when you kind of looked at it from a female perspective or what, you know, came, was there a specific event you that you recall? Well, I mean, specifically is when I'm talking about this, the legalized sex work in Nashville. So mm -hmm. I, oh, I yeah. discovered that in 2017 or mm -hmm. no, I'm sorry, early 2018 when mm -hmm. I moved to Nashville. Okay. And so I've always been really interested, like my, my whole family's Southern. So like civil war history has always been a big thing, um, yeah. in our family. And like, I realized that I had little to no information about like the common woman and like what she was going through, nor did I actively seek it out before I just stumbled upon this. And that was really eye opening. I'm like, am I really a feminist? If I'm like not even actively pursuing these stories and these histories. So I would say that was a really big watershed moment. I've just been obsessed with learning as much as I can about that, that particular event. And when you start to look at things through that lens of like, okay, how can I apply a, a female perspective to this? What does it look like when you look at it from, from this point of view? Things, everything looks different, everything. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how, well, pretty much what I would identify as like the watershed moment of knowing like, okay, I have some work to do. Right. Um, yeah, and it's it's really good. I, I definitely can't wait to read the next two parts. I think it would be like a three-part series. Yeah. And um, the next part's kind of like your, your colleagues and your friends, kind of how they, they feel about it, correct? Yeah, it's like, my, it's basically like my aha moment of like, mm. oh. And then the third part is actually... I went to a lecture in like early 2019 that was given by this renowned like female historian. Um, and it was about women in Nashville during the civil war. So for obvious reasons, I went because I wanted to hear about particularly her, hear her talk about the system. And when this woman like is, has a fan club <laughs> and like she like there was standing room only in this little salon because it was at a historic site a historic house which is like a former plantation house in Nashville and it was standing room only and like I'm sitting next to this woman who's like vigorously taking notes like she's been to every single lecture you know she's chatting me up and um you know we, we basically go through the, this whole lecture and like at 10 minutes left in the lecture I'm like when is she going to talk about this like what, you know, this is obviously like a, a huge, a huge population of women were involved in this. Like this is women in Nashville in the civil war. Well, all of a sudden this picture pops up on her slide and it's, it's a well-known picture and I'm going to post it during, and when I do that, that third part series, like it's, I'll tell the story and post that picture, mm -hmm. but it's basically like a bird's eye view almost of what is considered to be the hospital for sex workers with STIs. Okay, and, and it's like the only known picture. She puts this picture up on the screen and there's like a ripple of laughter throughout the room. Wow. And it's it, because everyone knows what it is, okay? Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it's hilarious. And she, she basically introduces this photograph like, and now let me tell you about this. And it was so, I, I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? So we can talk about all of these wealthy white women who, you know, were living in plantations and, and trying, you know, obviously like their history is important too as well. Right. However, yeah. 
Like we, we can talk about them with respect. And when we talk about this, which honestly, like these are women who have had, probably have turned to this out of necessity to keep themselves from starving. And when we talk about them, it's hilarious. And it was very, it was like one or two sentences that she, she dedicated to it. And then we moved on. And I was just sitting there. I, I was so angry when I left this lecture. I was like the audacity. But then again, I had to think like, would I have reacted in the same way several years before? Because I just didn't have the, the frame of reference or the perspective that I have now. And that really made me understand like why it's so important to look at women's history with respect yeah. and dignity. And because did those women learn anything about that? Did they take anything away from it? I don't think so. Like the women in the auditorium, I don't think they did. So basically I'm gonna write, that's the third piece of the series is gonna be about that experience, much more detailed, but that was a, that was a big moment for me. Cause I was like, are you kidding? Like if we look at statistically, like if we look at all the women in that room on that day, a lot of those women probably would have had to resort to some form of sex work to make it through the civil war, right? Yeah. But they don't, they don't see that. They see them as being paralleled with like the wealthy women mm -hmm. who, you know, were the bells. And that's just not true. They're like fewer than 1% of the women in the South. So I don't know. It's just, it's just something that has stuck with me and I'm going to write about it. So I, I, I really appreciate you reading the, the first piece and I'm, I'm glad you're interested in reading more. So. Yeah, no, for, for sure. I, I think it's really interesting. And, and I agree with you that, uh, you know, taking a respectful view on that is, is a lot better. Uh, that, that's, that would be upsetting to me also, um, kind of, oh, we're just going to breeze by this. Well, okay. <laughs> and it also kind of put into perspective, like, just because you have a PhD doesn't necessarily mean that you're the, the authority, sure. you know? Your, your right. perspective can be just as flawed, which I think makes a case for like all these like social historians that are popping up, like armchair historians and history bloggers and people who are just like wanting to explore, I think is such a good thing because it's bringing a different perspective that's not necessarily like been indoctrinated in the university system, which is vitally important, of course, and not to undermine any of the work done in like PhD programs and all of that. But if we're really talking about the stuff that people aren't necessarily paying to paying attention to at an academic level, armchair historians and history bloggers and history podcasts are vitally important. And I think that we'll see kind of like this pendulum effect that as more, you know, average people are paying attention to different historical events, you'll see more and more academic works paying attention to it too. It's 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 really kind of cool to see this like historical framework being formed like this big almost like a historical quilt kind of being woven and you really see it like on twitter uh you know like just these different like different people with different education levels like interacting with one another and and learning from each other and it's just opening up so many different channels of communication with so many different people and i think it's like a really beautiful thing yeah so, I, I agree with you that's that's the best reason for those communication panels to seeing that kind of uh you know sharing that information with with people i think that's great heck yeah i mean that's that's how i found your show right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely um yeah that, that's really cool um kind of getting into like kind of the modern kind of discussion um you know it seems like there's been a lot of debate 
uh, between trans women and uh, certain feminists. Um, what are what are your thoughts on that? How do you feel about it? So I think ultimately it goes back to body autonomy. Mm-hmm. So if we live, for me, if we live in an ideally, if we live in a truly free society, I think you should have a right to do with your body what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, if that healthcare and that medical care is available to you, and you feel like it's right for you, then you should go ahead and and do what you think is right for you, whether that be abortion or you know sexual reassignment surgery or or whatever. And um, I think that if we try to exclude trans women from feminism, then that in that really says that there's a right way to be a woman and a wrong way to be a woman, which is mm. not the case. Um, so you know, I'm I'm always of the opinion of you know what, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, you should be able to do exactly what you want to do, and you know, yeah, that's kind of my blanket my blanket response, I think. Yeah, and that that's sort of been kind of the one of the kind of the key arguments against it is just there. A lot of women are concerned that there you know there's potential for harm and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the person that's going to be able to figure that discussion out, but I, I well, do have different perspectives. Of course. And I mean, it's like, so like, uh, you know, from my perspective, I have no idea what that experience is like. Same. Right. So I'm yeah. literally just like as far lay person as possible, just being like, you know, I, I don't know a lot about, I can't, I haven't experienced that. Um, but you know, I'll be damned if, if I feel like I should have the right to interfere with a conversation between somebody and their doctor, you know, right. like that's just not who that's not, I don't think that's anybody's place. And so I, I think if we, I honestly think like th- these are the spoils of living in a modern society. Like we should be able to take advantage of these things that they're right for us. And, you know, so, but yeah, you're right. Tons of different perspectives out there. Lots of, lots of arguments. I just hope, you know, that we can move forward towards a more harmonious society for everybody because no one should be hunted in the streets or beaten or excluded or discriminated against. Like, I think our number one goal as a society should make us as, you know, as equal and harmonious as possible, as maybe unrealistic as that is, like, you know. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, <laughs> I, I ideally, you know, I feel like we're, you try to work towards that yeah. as you can. Uh, um, as far as like, are you uh, involved in any like feminist organization? Are there any that you feel people can contribute to or support? Uh, no, not, not really, actually. Um, okay. I'm just been, you know, like, knee deep in my books uh i'm sure that i'm sure that that will evolve right because it's still a relatively new project Mm. um but yeah i'll let you know okay um i mean the women's history museum it's always a good one uh but yeah i i would just say like support it the best way to support women Mm. i think is to listen to their stories to treat them with respect to treat them with dignity um and to remember like just be conscious of like am I looking at this from a male perspective? Like, even if you're a female, you know, am I, am I approaching this from a male point of view? And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's the best way to support people now 
um, other than like fiscal support. But of course, like Google's a great tool. Like if you really want to help fiscally like support a women's organization, like go take a look at Google, (laughs) go find it there. (laughs) Um, I remember the last time we talked, like kind of you were focusing more on um, journalists. Uh, Yeah. How you decided who you want to do next or so uh, yeah I, I have like I have like a running list of 20 okay. female journalists so season one could go on for a long time right. uh, hell I could get sick of it and just be like you know at 10 episodes in like okay we're moving to a different topic um I've really given myself the freedom like I haven't you know been like every Wednesday an episode's coming out because my goal is I want to find out as much as I can about these individual women as I can Right. And sometimes that takes more or less time depending yeah. on who they are. Um, but um, like on, like I have like a, a list of like different um, season topics. I have women in literature, women in war, women in sex work, women in music, women in politics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I mean, this could last forever provided that people, you know, remain receptive well, <laughs> and want to hear a- about it. I'm a big music guy. Can you kind of, you know, yeah. is there somebody you would cover and, you know, anyone you can think of? Or... I mean, <laughs> I would probably, like the sky's the limit, right? Right. Um, I, I don't know. Janis Joplin has always just been very interesting to me. Oh um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so definitely like, I'll probably in that vein, <laughs> you mm. know, um, but like, like literally, you know, cover classical women, uh, you know, classical musicians, uh, mm. opera singers, uh, you know, from a historical perspective, like anything of like the, you know, the summer of love and all, like all of that Jefferson airplane, like all, you know, this is, there's so many interesting women artists that it would probably end up being just like this list I have of like 25 journalists. It would just be on and on and on and on. So, but I'll definitely reach out to you <laughs> when oh. I, when I embark and get some, get some suggestions. Happy to help anytime. Um, well, um, thank you for so much for coming on the show, Maggie. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, it's been great. I'll definitely, uh, you know, direct anybody to check out your work and I, I, I enjoy it. So I, I think other people should and, and will as well. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much. I had a great time. It was great to talk to you. All right. Uh, and thank you again and have a good day. You take care. Bye. Do it right this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pedestrian at Best podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or anywhere else that you may be listening. You can add us on Twitter, just search at Pedestrian, or you can add us on Instagram, just search Pedestrian at Best podcast. We hope you were doing well, and thanks for listening.